I would really encourage people to do what they want to do in their lives, to not worry about the consequences and think through of all the downsides, but to think of all the upsides and things they can gain. It doesn't have to be conventional, it just has to work for you. Welcome back to a new season of Big Little Choices. This is Shri, and I'm so excited to bring you more stories, more inspiring choices, and more opportunities for all of us to learn about what other amazing women and mothers are doing. We really want this season to inspire you and to make a choice or choices that are right for you. If you've heard episodes from the previous season, I hope your takeaway was that you can make an unconventional choice, stay true to yourself, and still have a happy ending. Hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, you'll hear from Julie and her journey to becoming a stepmom. She talks about how she had to accept and nurture an unconventional path to becoming a mother. Julie grew up in the Scottish countryside in a happy home with her parents and her brother. Once she got her master's degree in London, she was very drawn to issues of poverty, injustice, and how conflict arose in society, and as a result, started a career as a humanitarian worker. This took her to many conflicted areas and war zones. Julie's work not only broadened her horizons, but also gave her immense perspective on the things that truly matter in life. And a decade into her work in the field, she decided it was time for her to leave her job and go back to her roots. When you work in really intense situations, um, like the one I found myself in, it draws very interesting types of people. <laughs> so who you find who's an international, by which I mean people who are not naturally from that place or don't live there locally, you come across some really <laughs> wild and wacky people. And I think when I was, you know, sitting surrounded by those people, I was thinking to myself, is are these the kind of people I want to be surrounded with for the rest of my life? Is this the lifestyle I want? Where we're all talking about, you know, the next war, the next adventure, the next big job, rather than about our connections to people and what they mean to us and what we want to build for ourselves. And so I think I decided that, that that was not the future I wanted, that that wasn't the path I wanted to follow. And also the other thing at the time was that I had a grandfather who I was very close to who was very ill and was you know not going to live for much longer. I also had a really good friend who was very ill and wasn't going to live for much longer. And so I really wanted to go home and spend time with them and reconnect with my family. And also I had a fear that I might have changed so much that I couldn't go back. I was really nervous that maybe because of what I'd experienced that I wouldn't fit at home anymore and that I wouldn't belong there. And I wanted to make sure that that wasn't the case. <laughs> I was anxious to make sure I could still be part of that old life too. So how did you meet your now husband and what was that journey like? So I met my now husband, Mark, at a party in the Republic of Georgia, and that was some years ago. And it would take many, many more years before we would have the chance to fall in love and bring our lives together. I eventually reconnected with Mark many years later through work. We started to try and date internationally. That was incredibly complicated at the time. And he said to me, why don't you just move to San Francisco? Why don't you come here and we'll figure out if this is going to work? And I said yes. And had you ever been to San Francisco before? I had never been to San Francisco before. I had spent very little time in the US 
as a whole. I've been to New York once, I think when I was 20. I've been to Florida. And did you have any friends over here that you knew you could lean on to if needed? I had no friends here, no network here, no job here, no real identity here, uh, just my suitcase. <laughs> and how long had you been dating your then boyfriend, now husband at, at this point? So not a long time, um, but we both were very into each other. And I think neither of us wanted to waste time sort of going back and forth across cities and having these holiday romances. I mean, that would be exciting, but it was a question as to whether that was worth our energy. And we wanted to both figure out whether this was the right relationship for us. And what did you have to uproot from your previous life? So at this point, you'd already quit your old job. You had moved to be closer to your parents and spend time with your grandfather. But were there other big changes that you had to make before you landed up in San Francisco? <laughs> I don't think so in some ways. I mean, the joy of having been single at that time, having um, set myself up as a consultant, for want of a better word, I was still engaged with Oxfam, the organization I worked with at the time. I had the opportunity to try and work from home and see what that was like. So really, it was a case of packing a bag and getting on a plane and just seeing how that went and see if it would work. And I think, you know, instinctively, I really thought it would work and I, I really, really hoped it would work because it felt scary. <laughs> but I... I felt like I had nothing to lose and I really didn't want to look back on it and regret not doing it because I think there's nothing worse than not trying um, and I felt like I'd thrown myself into so many other situations in my life and they'd all worked out in the end that I figured surely this will also work out. So you decide to move here despite not knowing anybody and also at that point Mark is actually considerably older than you, he's about 18 years older than you. And he'd been through a divorce and he had two teenage kids of his own. So what was that whole situation like? Because, I mean, this is not a very conventional path to, you know, starting your own family. Tell me more about how that happened and how you were so accepting and open-minded of the relationship you were going to have with him and also the relationship you would have to build with his older kids. So I think one of the interesting things about Mark, from the moment I met him, he has always identified as being a father first and foremost. And so to separate out Mark from his children would be artificial and weird because it's not the way he portrays himself and it's not the way he talks about himself and it's not the person I met and then fell in love with. And so... I was always very aware that Mark's children were part of the deal <laughs> and Mark's children were the most important thing in his life and that that would never be under question or changing. And so accepting that very early on I think helped <laughs> in terms of how I then uh, dealt with that. In practice it was really hard and now it's really great. Um, but it isn't an easy thing. And I think it was really tough for all of us in terms of how to navigate that and what the right thing to do is at the right time. I think for me, I had to accept that there were many things out with my control that I couldn't determine at what pace 
the kids would get to know me or I would get to know them. I didn't have a choice as to whether they would accept and enjoy me or not. I mean, they're children, they have agency, they decide themselves what they want in their lives. And so, you know, it was a tough time. And in the very beginning, there was, you know, a fair amount of difficult brunches and difficult dinners and cinema trips where everything felt a little bit awkward. And, you know, step by step over time, that got less and less awkward until eventually our current reality became the new normal. So how soon after moving to San Francisco did you and Mark decide to get married? So it was about a year after. Um, so I moved in, I moved here in the January and I moved in in the September. And by the October, we got engaged and we got married in the February. So it was a year in total. So in this year that you'd spent with Mark, did you also spend time investing in a relationship with his kids? Yes. I think the interesting thing is, if you go online and you Google step parenting, prepare to be terrified. Uh, There is endless advice about how you can role model yourself as the perfect step parent, (laughs) and in particular, the perfect step mom. Um, Expectations on stepdads are actually quite low. Expectations on step moms, who are generally vilified as these horrible people who, you know, tear apart families and you know cause misery to their stepchildren is a little bit intimidating and I think you know I worked really hard at trying to be consistent trying to be open and available for them if and when they wanted to spend time with me or to engage with me but also not pushing them to do anything they didn't want to do Um, and so I gave them a as much space as was physically possible in at that time our tiny apartment (laughs) Um, and tried to respect that they needed privacy, they needed time away from me and most importantly to give them the time they needed with their dad. So to allow them to spend and maintain routines that they had done for all of their lives with their dad. And I think over time as they realized that their relationship with their dad would not change then things became easier. What was it about your own sort of mindset about this unconventional path to motherhood that made you so open-minded and just wanting to make it work so badly? Well, I was just massively in love as I am now. (laughs) I really love my husband and his children are an extension of him. And so it was never difficult for me to imagine a situation where I would love his children because of the love I share for him. And that has become true. You know, I really love my stepkids. I'm sure at times they find that a bit overwhelming. And, you know, I've had to really manage the pace on that because, you know, that's not something they necessarily were ready for. Um, but it's it's not been it wasn't so much a choice as it was an emotional response to the love I have for Mark. I think you also have to, you have to try and keep perspective. So I had to keep perspective that this was for the long term and that the immediate situation I was in may have been difficult and at times really painful um, for all involved, that it would pass. And I recently asked my stepson, if he could give advice to other children who were going through this, what would he say? And his advice was, just give it time. 
just give it time. Things will get better. That's great. So, was the idea of becoming a stepmom ever a factor into, you know, not pursuing a longer-term relationship with Mark? I don't think that was. Although it's interesting how many of my friends and family perhaps raised concern about that. You know, Mark was older than I was. He had gone through a divorce. He has a very established family, and I think a lot of my friends and families raised concerns that it would be really difficult I may not be able to to choose all the things I want in my life I would have to compromise I'd have to give up things and is that really what I wanted to do was that really going to be worth it but for me that was not so much a choice the choice I think what would have defined it was whether Mark was open to having other children and so I very early on when Mark and I were dating I raise the question of children. So would he ever consider having more children? And, you know, he said, can I think about it? And I said, yeah, you've got two weeks. Um, I don't want to waste time if this isn't something you won't consider. And what he said then was, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not ready to, you know, make that decision, but I, I'm not closing it off entirely. And so that was important for me, more important than whether he had kids already. So when did he make that decision then? Because now both of you have a child. And at what point was he like, I'm ready to try and have another kid? Well, I think we we first focused on building our own relationship, you know, being secure and safe and happy and knowing that we loved each other. I then wanted to spend time building relationships with my stepchildren. And then, you know, once things felt more balanced and settled we then began to discuss, you know, having a baby uh, together and at what point we'd start trying. And in reality, that happened fairly quickly for us and we had Archie. You have a fairly unconventional family in some sense. So your two stepkids live with you. Mark's ex-wife seems to live pretty close to where you live. And then you, of course, have Archie as well. So what are the dynamics of this, you know, unconventional family from your standpoint where you're sort of the woman of the house, you know, you're the mom to like three kids, but three very different kids. Like, how does all of that come together? So I think I just embraced it. I don't know that I have a clear, defined, specific role. I mean, the interesting thing about being a stepmom is that can look like many different things. It's quite rare that stepmoms actually get to live with their stepchildren. It's happening more and more, but traditionally in divorces, kids move in with their mom, they don't live with their dad, and stepmoms often play a role at weekends and holidays. Um, And that's a very important and a very difficult role for many other reasons. But the setup we have, I find is still quite unusual. Um, And unfortunately, I don't have a strong network of other stepmoms around me so I don't know what it's meant to be like (laughs) I only know what it is like in our house but I really enjoy it I've enjoyed having the privilege and opportunity to get to know my stepkids I enjoy having family dinner pretty much every night at seven o'clock I do nearly all the cooking Um, I enjoy being part of their schools and their friends I enjoy having social events for their friends you know, I like hanging out with them. And so whatever time they're willing to make for that, I'm happy to take and enjoy. I don't feel a massive difference currently 
in terms of my role in relation to Archie versus them, other than Archie's tiny and they're pretty independent because they're teenagers. So Archie's obviously much more dependent on me, but Archie's also dependent on his siblings. He loves his sister and brother. He's very attached to them too. They take a lot of responsibility for him. They want to be part of his life. And that's really a beautiful thing to watch and enjoy that they get to bond with him and have their own independent relationships with him. As a stepmom, is there a certain role that you're trying to fill? Because I mean, you know, from what I've read and seen, you're not trying to become their mom. But there's different ways in which you can cultivate their relationship. And what has been sort of your, you know, way in which you've built this relationship with them? Uh, so it's true. You are not their mom. They have a mom who loves them very much. And that role is filled. But my role is to just be around for them, to support them, to do whatever they want to do, uh, to enjoy them. And I think that's something you don't really ever read about. When you read about it, it's about how do you perform as a stepmom for them. And I think that's really dangerous, sort of setting out a clear definition of what a stepmom should be isn't grounded in the reality. You don't have a choice. The children will determine that a lot. And I think early on I read something really interesting which helped me come to terms with a possibility that they may never choose to want to have me as their stepmom. And that, you know, for some women that happens and it's not necessarily anything that the stepmom has done. It's not on them. It may be just the circumstances around them. And I think for me, I mean, I'm a worst case scenario planner. So in my mind, I sort of thought, well, maybe they'll never want me to be part of their lives. Maybe we won't ever be close. Maybe they'll never want to spend any time with me. But sort of accepting that that could be a reality and that I don't have control over that and it's not a reflection on me and it wouldn't be, you know, me failing was really helpful in letting me just enjoy the ride and just be there when I felt like being there and when they felt like being there for me. So even before you became a mom to Archie, you were already a mom to your older two um, stepchildren. What was that shift in identity as a mother for you? Uh, so a big reality is like sharing a bathroom with two teenagers and a husband where for whatever reason, no one seems able to put the toilet roll on the toilet roll holder. And remembering the days when I used to live in a clean, beautiful flat all by myself, overlooking some beautiful scenery, ordering the food, being responsible for cooking, seeing movies that I don't want to see and don't care about. I mean, there's plenty of day-to-day -day things when I became a stepmom that, you know, made me reflect on what my life was like before when I was independent and didn't have a fuller life. But, you know, there was also moments that are great in that. So I enjoy company of people, luckily. I luckily don't need much privacy. I am very social and I'm glad because I think for some people it would be really tough. And then so this was sort of your experience being a mother to the two older kids. And then how did it shift once you had Archie, if at all? I don't know. I feel like it's an extension of what was before. I don't feel somehow hugely different in my identity because I had Archie. I think a lot of people you know, talk about the moment they become a mother really defines them. And I don't know, maybe it's too early to say Archie is only nine months, but it felt like an extension of the journey. It felt like the next level of the journey. And I 
I really enjoy being a stepmom. I have really embraced it for its good and bad. And becoming a mom to Archie, my biological child, was just another step in that journey. So you don't think of it as like two completely different things. It's just an extension of the mother you'd already become after accepting your stepchildren. You know, I think there's more to it because I've got a bigger role in the sense that you know, I have longer time with Archie. You know, I, I, my stepson is about to go off to college and, you know, the time in which I will have lived with him is shorter than the time I will hopefully live with Archie. <laughs> so, you know, our time together to have those moments arguing about taking out the garbage are shorter. But that doesn't mean that they will be different. I mean, I'm looking forward to my relationship with my stepchildren as adults. What will that be like? Will it be different? You know, how will our relationship change over time? And like all relationships, they're not stuck. They're not stagnant. They move as people grow and change. And that's exciting. I asked Julie if there was a theme in how she's made these life choices. Working in war zones, moving to a country where she didn't know anyone other than the man she loved, and not being afraid of a relationship that came with stepchildren. Her answer was of her tolerance for risk and really thinking about the upsides of life's choices and the beauty they could bring into her life. Openness, patience and love are qualities that Julie has generously poured into her family and her intention to make the right choices to weave her family together was very inspiring. We wrapped up our chat with her final thoughts on how she's worked out her complex family dynamics. So in some ways, you've had a fairly unconventional path to becoming a mother and then growing your family. So do you have any advice for other women who might be afraid to, you know, not have a traditional path, so to speak, of dating somebody who's single and independent and doesn't have kids from a previous relationship? Would you have any advice for them on how to make it work? I think you want to be really confident that you're really in love with your partner. So it does involve... Um, a lot of emotional upheaval for a lot of people and so being confident that you want this relationship to work is really really important having conversations with your partner about how that's going to work practically um, and planning through how you will work as a team on that matters Um, and I think that was why we have been successful is that Mark and I were always on the same page we're always working through things together and deciding things together And that can be tough when you're faced with so many wants and needs and upsets from different people. I think being patient is also a really important element of building a slightly more complicated family setup. You know, trying to take the long view, trying to think that this moment will pass is also really important. And I also think recognizing that, you know, you might find it really hard. So it isn't all going to be sunshine and love and rainbows and Mother's Day cards. You know, at times it's gonna be really hard and you're gonna feel excluded. You might feel left out of, you know, what is an existing family unit and to try and remember that, you know, the family you're joining has had a long life together before you were there and that they, not including you, has nothing to do with you. It's just to do with shared history. And I think one of the things that worked really well for us was trying to build new routines, building new experiences that we could share in. Archie, interestingly, has been, you know, our biggest common shared experience that isn't artificially created. You know, it's not let's have games night and have people over. It's 
let's all enjoy this tiny human who's all part of our lives. And that's been a great bonding experience. The other advice is just that it's really important to be true to who you are. I have had an interesting journey in working out who I wanted to be and who I wanted to love. And I would really encourage people to do what they want to do in their lives, to not worry about the consequences and think through of all the downsides, but to think of all the upsides and things they can gain. It doesn't have to be conventional. It just has to work for you. It just has to make you happy. And if you're not happy, <laughs> then you're not doing it right. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.